Welcome to the Alexa Cash Podcast, friends. Today we cover we cover a bunch of shit. The most interesting things we covered today is a lesson these sunglasses can teach you about narcos and making money. Then we cover, you know, you need to do email marketing, but how do you actually do email marketing? How do you sell something and still keep it fresh? And we end with mimetic desire. Which people should you hang out with and which people do we hang out with to make the most out of our money and our lives? Enjoy. I did the 23 and me. I know exactly where I'm from. No way. I know. You, you gave the government all your data? I did. I gave the government all my data. I'm not going to make it. Dude, sorry, I'm a normie. You're, you wanna, you're fucked. What do you think? What do you think? Okay, so look at me. What do you think I am? Give me percentages. I would say 30% Korean, 20% Cambodian, 10% Guatemalan, and then like 40% like Chinese. <laughs> Dude, Okay, so my dad's Korean and my and, and my mom's Guatemala. So here here's the data, okay? You ready? Yeah. So I am to my and my dad's like a proud Korean. It's like I'm full blood. Full blood. I'm like, okay, let's test that full bloodedness of yours, right? So I did the twenty-three and me. Turns out he is full blood Korean. I'm forty nine point seven percent Korean. He's like On oh, the dot. You're, dude, you're purebred. <laughs> yeah, he's like a purebred. I'm like, oh wow. And like he just acted like it was no big deal. It's like, ah, no, I, I totally know it. Don't worry about it, son. Of course. Yeah, whatever. Right. So I am that. I am also 0.3% Greek. Did you know that? I'm 0.3% Greek. It's probably one dude like in the fucking thousands, year 1000, right? I don't know. 10,000 BC. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Because yeah. some dude that just really likes to live in his oikos. That's home. <laughs> <laughs> I am 22%, uh, no, 20, like 24% Spanish and Portuguese, which makes sense as Latinos. Yeah. Right? And that's the, that's the most um, relevant one. And 18.5% like indigenous American, you know, like, uh, yeah, like that. Like Mayan right? and Aztec. Yeah, shit. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I pretty much everything I expected. So Latinos come from so, Spanish people and uh, Asian. It I makes sense. One percent Japanese, though. Point one. Point one. Point one. That's nothing. <laughs> I've been watching. I've been watching fucking anime and learning all this shit for nothing. Like I You've thought been I had to something. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into that because I have a story to tell. So let me put my storytelling glasses. So what's up, friends? Welcome to the Lex and Cash podcast. So you were saying about how you need a visa, right? And my country is like so irrelevant that you need a visa to go to Mexico. Like that's how bad it is. I need a visa to go to Mexico. Imagine the that. The weakest passport of all time. It is. It is. Coupled with the Korean passport, that works, right? But I'm, I'm going to go to the Spanish one now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Spanish embassy for a passport. Let's show them my 23 elite test. Anyway, <clears throat> ever since I started... Like every time, I remember one time my parents were watching this very famous show on Pablo Escobar, like Narcos. But it wasn't called Narcos. It was called The Evil Patron back then. Now it's called Narcos. But I feel like Narcos have a lot to teach us about business. And this is something I wanted to start this podcast with. So I like Narcos a lot that I bought the same glasses that the whole, that the main Narco in Narcos Season 3 Mexico uses. They're not these. These are the bootleg ones, but it's just, you know, this is just for the fugazi for the show. Anyway, there's something to learn about Narcos for Pistons. Because Narcos, they don't figure out, like, they figure out which, what drug is the best. Narcos don't try to nurture you into why their drug is the best. Market wants Coke, give them Coke. Market wants meth, give them meth. 
They're not going to try to educate you on why opium is better. They just give you what you want. And I feel like there's a very wise lesson in that for everybody who runs a program or a coaching program. We're just selling something online. A lot of people try to nurture leads and they're trying to give them this sudden realization that their drugs are the best. Whereas in reality, you don't need to figure out which drugs are the best. You just need to figure out what do they want, right? I know for a fact, 99% of people who come to me are like, I just need more leads. It's almost never the leads. It's always something like around your positioning or your offer, but people are like, I need more leads. So I could try to educate them on why this, this is not the problem, or I could just take a page out of Amado Carrillo Fuentes, the narco, and say, you know what? I can totally help you get more leads. And that's how you sell people. You don't give them what they need. You give them what they want in order to give them what they need. Because lead nurturing is going to take you years. But a drug hit is going to take you seconds. And then you can deliver exactly what they need. This is interesting. I just I just hopped off a call with uh, with Luke Matthews, who's a big it's a big LinkedIn guy. Sorry, he's got like 100, 100K or something like that. Um, and we were talking about it. And we were like, a lot of times people will come to us and ask for help on other platforms. And I think it's interesting giving people what they need and not, I'm not hundred percent giving people what they need and not necessarily what they want, because if they need, here's an interesting one is if they need more sales, right? They might need to just do better on what they have and not necessarily just jump to this, 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 and this, and this, right? So I thought that was interesting because we were talking about it. We have clients that ask us for other platforms all the time. I'm like, do you want two half-assed products or do you want one really good product? Right. Something I think about, something I think about often is like, we, it's just impossible for us to be the best at LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. It's just impossible. Right. So like for you, right. Like you change out, you have your, your Instagram content, you have your YouTube content, you have pretty much in my opinion right now, like the best editor in the business niche. Right. So like, would you have been able to get one guy who does content for everything or is he a specialist on YouTube? So I think about this and I'm like, I feel like it's better to be the best at one than just to be average at all of them so it's like interesting the interesting thing i was been thinking about maybe it goes the same with coaches right you have coaches who teach one thing right like if you have take rob for example right if you teach freelancing but you're also going to teach freelancing and agency work and coaching and something else right like you're not going to be the best at all of them your solution can't be tailored to everybody so i've been thinking about being the best at one thing versus being good at everything and putting a lot of thought into that lately i think it's I think it's not mutually exclusive. You can, I think you can do both. Naval has this quote, right? Back in the bookshelf back there with all the books I have not read, there's a book on Naval. It's called the Naval Manac. So he has a quote there. <laughs> Here's a quote from a book that I've never read. <laughs> like, it looks cool, though. Like, you got to admit it. It looks cool. It, it looks smarter. You know, the sunglasses kind of take me a little bit down on the IQ mode, but today like, we're balancing out. Okay. You're like, I'm Asian already, right? I already look smart. So you got to dumb it down. That's what people know, call dumbing it down. All right, let's go. So he has a quote, uh, to be the best in the world, it's, you got to, what is it? Dude, I cannot miss on this one. I cannot fail. I know the quote, but I'm like blanking out right now. It's be the best in the world of what you do. Redefine that until it's true, right? So the be- you can be the best in the world by either becoming the best to get there, but you can also become the best in the world by being the only, right? So there's there's a little nuance to that. So it's not mutually exclusive. It's like some people say like, uh, you cannot have sex before marriage. And then you could say, well, if we don't get married, 
then <laughs> that's not a problem, <laughs> right? There's a little nuances in the tricks. So here's, a, here's one for you. I had a client we onboarded today. He's all about helping people recover from their injuries, right? Advanced lifters to recover from their injuries. And that was his niche. And I thought, well, what do most people come to you for? He's like, dude, it's almost always shoulders and lower back. Well, then the question is not, are we the guy fixing injuries for lifters? The question is, do we want to be the shoulder guy or the lower back guy? Like we did with the knee guy. It's about becoming, like you can become the best and the only. Uh, you can do it by addition, becoming the best, or by subtraction, by subtracting the things you want to compete in. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. But when it comes to platforms, I think that was your point. I think it's best to just dominate one and then go to the others. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a few people over the last week that have, about you and they were like yeah jk's a beast and i thought about it and i'm like it's funny because uh, since i've seen i've kind of been along with this journey with you seeing you move to the other platforms and do really well on them but it wasn't like it's not just overnight it's not just like oh yeah he's crushing it like you kind of you've been very consistent and you've got incrementally better at all the other platforms over time and now you're you're having that consistent growth and you pass 10k on instagram and stuff like that what what do you have to say about learning other platforms and getting good at short form video then getting good at long form video because you start as a writer right uh i'm not good at it I actually do it like i have a thousand posts and eleven thousand instagram followers or twelve thousand that's not that's not good you know that's not a good metric and also not many clients have come from that. So I appreciate that like people say that it's not going as well as people think. You know, I'm calm because, you know, I, I make enough money from the Twitter thing and the email thing, but it's not going as well as people. I would say people look or like it looks like I'm doing well just because I like like you said, I have I, I have I have Quinn on my side. So Quinn's helping me with the YouTube and the Instagram. Right. And uh, LinkedIn, it's uh, a lot of people are trying to help me, which is kind of using your unfair advantage, right? I say, hey, I'll help you out with Twitter. <clears throat> you engage with my LinkedIn shit. Like, deal. Like, yeah. Okay, there you go. It's a lot of trading favors and just being scrappy. There's no, I'm not good at it. I'm just trading favors. Well, then I have a, a follow-up question for you because I think, was it two months? How long ago was our 100K call? Is that two or three months ago? That was May 31st. <sighs> Holy crap, a lot of time has passed. All right, so, uh, so in that, you, in that people, call, you want to tell people what that call was and then ask the question? Sure. So the 100K call was, it's called that because uh, JK essentially assembled the Avengers of, of our space between like Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. It was all people that have 100K plus followers or 100K plus followers across all their pages. They're all massive business people. Um, and it was, it was awesome. And what I learned in that space or in that, in that particular Zoom was that people are really taking two things seriously. Uh, email and audience nurture and a lot of a lot of sell in private and put value in public um, but going to that first point with the email and I know you've been doing a lot of email and you got that one message today of the guy was like I'm gonna unsubscribe I hate you or something like that <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious what, how do you think about the daily emails that you've been I don't know if they're daily but the email so strategy that you use versus the newsletter strategy and the, and the opportunity to do like a like St. Cash newsletter. Have you put any thought into that? And why did you come to the decision that you did? Yeah. So the goal was always to make more money. And how do I sell people into our program? That's always the goal. So if you want to build a huge thing to sell, like the hustle or um, the milk road, this is not me, not qualified. But when it comes to selling, I believe in selling in every email, but I actually developed, and I was actually thinking about this right before this call. So like, like 
we, we didn't coordinate this, but it actually happened. I thought about, I'm always selling the same thing, right? It's always a program. So when you always, when you're predictable, people are kind of like, they drop off, right? Uh, and like when people expect what you're going to say, they just don't listen. But I can't just change my product every time. I only have so many products. So how do I still sell? Because I sell sell an email, send an email every day, which I sell every day. How do I sell on those? And I feel the key is not in changing the product or the offer. The key is not in changing the offer, but in changing the coupon. Here's what I mean by that. You change the coupon by changing the mechanism in which you deliver the offer. It could be reply to this email with, I'm in and I'll show you the details. But that's one coupon, same off. You could also say, we're going to have a call and you can pay to be on this call that other people are part of program in, right? It's just one call, but you can pay for that one only. And at the end, I'm still going to try to sell you into the program, but it's still the same program. You change the coupon. Or you could say, we had a call. Do you want the recording along with the edits, right? Or like the, the Q&A. And then you change another coupon. So I'm always trying to figure out two things. Well, yeah, two things. Number one is, how can I change the coupon? Still offer the same thing. But two is, how can I get people a dopamine hit? Because I tried to go heavy on the value side, and I hated it because people just didn't respond. They didn't want to click on stuff. They just wanted to try out stuff, which is not what I wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. But then I said, how can I just give them a dopamine hit? So this story I told you about the narcos, that's something I came up with, right? That story about the visa being horrible and me needing a visa to go to Mexico. That's another email I wrote. I try to tell people stories because stories just get people in. And when you change the coupon, it keeps them fresh. You know, I feel like in order to keep it fresh, and this is like so off topic, you must go on daily walks. I just can't, I can't stress enough how the, the massive lack of ideas I get when I don't go on walks. It's like impossible to come up with enough ideas. I know you're a walk maximalist, so do you feel that way? No, Dan Coe turned me into a walk maximalist. You, you have to walk with that, dude. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, remember what we, I think this was off pot, but I said, how'd you like in Bali? You said, everything's great, but my place is not walkable. I'm like, yep, it's scooterable. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Why is it yeah. not walkable? Like, is it not safe or something? There, there's literally no sidewalks. It's like, there's no, there's no sidewalks anywhere. Like, so to walk, you are walking in the middle of the road and you're constantly thinking about not getting hit by a scooter. So oh. it's just like, you just, it just interrupts your thought process and there's, there's street dogs and there's scooters everywhere. It's like the only place you could really walk is on the beach, which is great, but it's not exactly, I can't just like walk outside and be on the beach. I have to take the time out to go to the beach and then walk. So it becomes how long, how long, how long does it take to go to the beach? Maybe like 10 minutes, but here's the real stressor. On the beach, especially my beach, it's not just a bunch of sand where I can walk in a straight line. The way that the beach works is the waves come in every maybe like half a kilometer. There's like an inlet of water that goes into like a mini lake or river. And you have to actually like make an effort to cross it like you're crossing a river and walk through the water and like <laughs> pull up your sh pull up your pants. It's like it's like you have to jump over. So it's like not a smooth walk. And then if you walk past that, you get to this area where it's like a boardwalk and it's like very uh, crowded surfers, people trying to sell you stuff is not like conducive to just like a long walk on the beach. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so it's more like a workout. Or ju you're just being harassed. 
It's like yeah, this- literally, literally. It's like there's a there's gonna be a dogs, scooters, someone trying to sell you something, or some sort of natural occurrence that's actually hitting you. So it's like there's no true walkable area where I live. So that's been the biggest. Like my best idea is come on the scooter because I'm just like scooting. Is that the word? <laughs> I mean, it's a new angle. I could tell you that much. <laughs> well, so you said um. What did you say? You said with the idea thing. So, oh, sorry, with the coupons. I've been thinking about this because with my email, I essentially have like 5,000 subs and I've been trying to go the newsletter route because for me, I just don't have the capacity to sell every day. Um, like I That's a lot, by the way. 5,000 subs, how many followers you got? I have 18,000. That's a shit ton of subs. Well done. Yeah. Well, well something I've, the way I've been able to do that is I've changed the coupons for my lead magnets a lot of the time and I... One thing I've done is my lead magnet is I always try to keep it fresh, right? So I remember when I first started, a lot of it was case studies. So they worked as lead magnets, but they were also lead gen. Then I switched over to instructionals, how to write threads, how to write auto DMs, how to, how to do, how to build email lists. Now I've even switched it. I had one that I think two weeks ago that got like 800, 800 likes. Uh, it was how to build a school group, which I didn't expect to do that well. It was how to build a school group, right? So I've just been changing not the coupon, but really just changing the area of the business that I'm good at. So like if a business is eight to 10 things, eight to 10 skills, I've been putting lead magnets in all the different places and attracting different kinds of people that are in that bubble. Um, so I've been doing that. I just haven't really cracked the, the email part of it where like I've done the weekly newsletter, but it's such a slow grind. It really is like another business. So I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, okay. So have you took I think you, this is one of those things where you just need to be reminded more that you need to be taught. Honestly, yeah, bro. Like you just, right before the pot, you were telling me about how you were stuck in, uh, what is it? Vietnam? No, Singapore. Right? Singapore. Right. So you were stuck in Singapore and then you're still having this podcast, right? You're still working. You're still helping out your clients, but none of this would be like, these are pains, right? But they're lesser pains than when you were broke and then you were confined to that little room in new york but then thanks to this business you have bigger problems but these are problems that you're gladly tame you're you yeah. would gladly have by the way buy my product <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's like it's already inside you you just gotta you know you just gotta yeah. go on walks bro that's what's keeping yeah. you that's what keeping you from the next level honestly man i'm, I'm going on a walk after this yeah <laughs> there you go it's like uh, walkable Oh, Singapore's fucking awesome. It's so walkable. It's pure green and water and perfect weather. It's like nice and hot. Everything is so high end and brand new and chic. The only thing that sucks about Singapore is how expensive it is because it's like a it's like a New York City. But now I don't what's really care. So. <laughs> what's something that's like usually cheap, but in Singapore is like, wow, what the hell? Uh honestly, it's dinners. The dinners in Singapore are very everything's hundreds of dollars for like two for two people it's like you're spending a hundred bucks a person it's very new york city-esque and i lived in new york city for a while um it's like that but the problem with it is not the price it's that the quality isn't that much it's not good like it's okay but then you pay for like a nice dinner i'm like all right like i'm a big foodie and in new york city you pay for what you get new york city's food is incredible you know what i mean so that's something i notice i, I prefer the food in bali oh well there you go. I mean, you prefer the coconuts delivered to your door. That's not that. I'm like, uh, that's the, I'm going to miss that about when I get to America. I don't know how I'm going to 
replace the fresh cocoa. Oh, well, I know. Just pay someone, bro. Like, uh, America, a friend told me this. America has the worst of everything, but it also has the best. So it has the worst of many things, you know, like, you easily get fat, you can easily get fit. Because you guys, you guys just got so much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, food for thought. Let's change this. I want to change gears on this. Today I'm feeling great. I'm, we're popping. This right. is the most smiles I've seen on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the Narcos one. I'm sorry, bro. It's just, it just goes for you. All right. So yeah. one thing. I am a big anime fan and I've watched One Piece. One Piece is an anime with over 1,000 episodes. And your boy has watched over 1,000 episodes of that. Crazy. It, I, it's really good, by the way. Now, what's interesting is Netflix just released a series. Live action One Piece. And if you guys know or want to know anything about live action adaptations of anime, it's they're usually shit. Terrible. I don't know if you guys saw Dragon Ball 1. There was a Death Note one. Avatar. Yeah, Avatar the last Airbender. Don't get me started now. <laughs> the worst right. movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so, it also it always made you stop waterbending in the shower. That's how bad it was. <laughs> they were, I wanted to die. <laughs> I, it's just horrible, right? So I'm looking at this thing, man, and I'm like, it's horrible. It's hideous. I hate it. Like, it's everything about it's horrible. Still number one show. I'm like, what's going on? But I realized I'm not the target market. This is not tailored to One Piece diehard fans. This is tailored to people who have never heard about it. Then maybe it's a way to introduce them into Japanese culture and Japanese anime. Right? So it got me thinking about Twitter and just Instagram and how we post things. A lot of the times we post to people who are not our target market. Like, for example, Dan Go is a great example of this. Dan Go crushing it, dude. Snoop Dogg comments on this stuff. Dude, Snoop Dogg. What not the to hell? cut you off, but like I tell my team that like if I have like a Mount Rushmore of people that we look at and we're like, that person's a fucking G on this platform, it's Dango. I tell my team all the time, look at what Dango is doing. He's absolutely murdering the scene. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. Now now people are like, Oh my god, Dango's Dango's content is so basic. Because he'll talk about, you know. Whatever you think about his stuff, people think well, he's so basic. Yeah, he's also filthy rich, right? You might not like it, but then you're like JK watching live action One Piece. You're not the target market. He's not talking yeah. to you, and he cares more about making money than like than you liking him. That makes sense. So we're talking about like- Dan Go, just so people know. Dan, Dan I, Go, I, Go, Go, Go. Yeah, right. A lot of people are gonna be like Dan Co, Dan Co. It's Dan Go, and I can't believe yeah. there's two famous people with the same name, but. G O, right? The Asian Not version to, of Dan Co. Not to be confused with Dan Facio. That's Colin Wizard. Also G. Next. So, for me, right? It's like people are like perceiving me, or maybe it's like, oh, Jake is changing his mind, or he's not doing this. It's like you're not the target market. My target market never engages with my shit. They're hidden, right? And then they opt in, and then they buy random. I posted this the other day. The guy who comments under your every post is always going to be like, I'll definitely work with you someday, bro. Totally. And they'll waste your time. Like, follow up with six months so they can ghost you in six months. Whereas the guys that are hidden, these are the ones that work with you. Right? Those are the ones you should target. Not the people who are like, also have audiences. It's very weird that other people like who are criticizing you or who are competing with you or who are in the same space as you are actually going to buy. I know these are the loudest and I know these are the guys you see every day. 
That's not your target market. That's JK watching live action One Piece. Focus on your target market. Play the Dan Go game. Figure out who are you talking to and only talk to them. Do you get haters? Who cares? It's easier to cry in a pool of money. Here's a here's an interesting, um, and I tweeted this the other day, and I think it's really relevant. So, I think a really great strategy because people ask me all the time is how do I essentially get off the ground on a platform like X or or any of these platforms. And for me, it's like, I have this new formula that I kind of created just based off of what I did. Um, I think you really need one of three things or all three to, to, to get from zero to one. You need to be interesting. You need to have top 1% value, like actually top 1%, or you need to be friends with big accounts in that space. Uh, and, and this is number three is the best one because what I did and what I tell everybody to do is if you really want to accelerate this, join some sort of community like likes and cash and be the star student and you are instantly going to be joining a network of other big coaches big guys like jk all these people are going to be tweeting at you you can network that's how you get off the ground and when you're a star student you naturally attract more content about you because this is what i did right i became a star student in your program a year ago naturally you're tweeting my case study and naturally people are like how'd you do it how'd you do it and so they're coming to me now so I think if you just join anybody's coaching program and then just be the star student, you will naturally go from zero to one because you're going to now have a huge network. Everyone's going to respect you because you've done something now <clears throat> and you're going to learn a valuable skill. And now you have, after you can do the first two, you have top 1% value and are interesting. So it's the best way to go from zero to one is to just join a program or a network or a community and be the best at it. And this is, how do you, this is my new how strategy. How do you become the best at it? Because you had a few strategies that I think are really interesting. Differentiation was one. Uh, joining and taking the, the copy-paste method that you had given me, doing it to get from zero to one in terms of money, and then iterating on it from there onwards. So what I, what I also tweeted recently was too many people, and I did this for five years, so that's how I know is too many people will join some sort of coaching program and they'll try to iterate right away. I don't have to do the, like for you guys, I don't have to do the checklist right on par, right? Like I did some of it, I didn't do all of it, right? To go from zero to one, your coach or your mentor or your course is giving you the copy paste method. Do it directly and copy somebody. It's better to do that and not, and then make some money than to just try and iterate and be broke. And I did this for five years. I thought I had a crazy ego and I thought I was smarter than all the programs I joined and then I blamed the programs. Shout out Ryan Booth. I joined his program in 2018. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was consulting mentorship program, CMP, and I had an IT marketing agency and I just tried messing with the methods to, to tailor what I like to do. I didn't want to do certain things and it didn't work. Copy paste zero to one and then iterate one to 10 and become unique and create your category of one. So that's what I did with you, right? I copy pasted your gross trading offer that you had taught me. And then I was like, I see a gap in the market. Nobody's teaching people how to monetize. Everyone's just trying to grow. So then I got from zero to one on the growth. And then after I had some money and had some wiggle room, I iterated that into monetization. And that's what I think people should do in any program they join. Copy the method to get zero to one and get off the ground. And then use that wiggle room to iterate and become a category of one and be unique. You are also in every call. I just, every call you were there asking questions, adding value. We were talking on the chat. Like, understand that people in the community, they, or like the owners of the community or the program, they want to see engagement on it. If, if it's dead, it's kind of a shitty feeling. So when there's everybody or just one person saying, GM, hey, I tried this new thing. You guys can test it. 
it just oh, yeah. adds a lot. It just it just puts you under good graces. And Marcus did that a lot. Well, well, another thing too, and when like if you really want to get the most out of a community or a coaching program or anything, is it's not just doing the the modules and the, and the stuff and implementing, but it's also the networking. Like like you said, I was GM every day, answering every call. I even created. I don't know if you remember. I created engagement groups in I Telegram. Did, I remember. Trying to, I was trying to network. I was getting everybody from the group, and I was like, "Come join. We're all going to network. We're going to bring each other up." And when I shit you not, everybody I networked with in that group quit. Every single person in that Telegram group quit within three months. So I came up with these guys and they had all quit. And now I see them sometimes popping back on my feed. They switch niches. They try something new. They're trying to get back into it. And I'm like, you could have just stuck with it from the beginning. So it's just, uh, that's just a, a little side note. Nice. Dude, I, I love that. How do you know when you've earned the right to iterate? I have my own theory, but I want to hear yours. Earning the right to it, I think it happens naturally. So I think when you get from, let's, let's call it zero to one, let's just call it zero to 10K a month. I think when you get to that 10K a month-ish mark, you'll start to notice like, let's say you have a coaching program and you sell three, right? You have 10K profit and you're like, you start to notice things that are out of alignment with what you do specifically from what you're doing that you're copy and pasting, right? You know the methods work that you're doing, but you think they could be a little better for your business. So like, if two people join your program and one is a fitness coach and one is an Amazon FBA coach and they're copy and pasting everything and they're like getting zero to 10K a month, but they both realize there's a couple of little things off, right? There's a couple of nuances when you talk to somebody who's fat trying to lose weight and you talk to someone who's broke trying to make money with Amazon, right? So you slowly start to iterate that way and you start to realize, and you've earned the right because now that you're doing, you've gotten zero to 10K a month, you've gotten enough, what's the word for it, sample size? in conversations to notice the gaps that might be need to be filled with your specific business. I think kind of by zero to 10 K you'll start to earn the right to, to see the gaps and have a big enough sample size. I like that to me, the, like you gave an objective answer to me, the answer on this one is subjective. It's when you feel like you have the money to take a step back. For me, it was 5 K a month. Dude, I felt like I, was, I had everything at 5 K a month. Uh, but when you already have like the liberty and the good feeling that's when you can do it and it also like start back to the walks like you guys might think it's a joke it's not a joke this shit's actually true my grandma had a saying he who walks on honey gets something stuck on it right so for me it's walking on honey the equivalent is if you log on twitter if you're always checking the newest youtube video the newest strategies you get some of that like rush stuck on you you never rest. Even when you're eating lunch, you're watching entrepreneurship videos and you're trying new tactics or listening to entrepreneurship podcasts and trying new tactics. So at some point, you get so much stuck on you that you don't realize what's from other people and what's yours. So this is why it's very important, at least for me. I have a, I've been really bad at this, but I'm, I think I'm getting better at resting, living my fault, just not doing anything because this, that's like kind of my way to like, I don't know if detox, but just get stuff unstuck from me. Sleep is so important. I started, I started catching, I started noticing patterns in a lot of the greats talking about sleep. And a couple of examples is um, Habib Nurmagomedov. I don't know how to say it. Habib says that he used to train when, when he was fighting. He would train twice a day. He would train first, then he would nap 
in the middle of the day for a few hours and then he would go train again and then he would sleep again throughout the night and that sleep was the recovery that allowed him to train twice a day which essentially have two all-in training sessions which you could argue put him twice as two times above all of his competition you could say he was twice as good as his next best opponent right another person erling halland who was just on uh, impulsive says you know it's really just sleep like sleep is absolute number one thing he's optimizing for he uses blue light glasses and everything um tries to put his phone away a certain time it, it, it's funny because you see some of these gurus saying it and you don't want to believe it as much but if you look at the athletes they're doing the same thing they're all optimized for sleep so i think sleep is really really important to perform at your best at all times and i i, I even had a i stayed up watching an arsenal game the other day and I ended up having like a 45 sleep score the next day and I was just out of it. And like today I feel much better because I optimize my sleep. But man, it's, it's, you can lose a whole day if you just don't sleep good. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, I don't know if I should ask this, but I'm going to ask it. Isn't it hard for you to sleep well when you have someone sleeping right next to you? It's hard as fuck. I do not. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It depends, right? Like it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Like the blessing is when we're keeping each other accountable and like, I'll be like in a doom scroll and she'll be like, get off your phone. And I'm like, good point. <laughs> like that's nice. But then I would say that the curse is like, you want to talk. It's the end of the night. It's like, uh, you want to tie up the bow on the night. And then it's like, next thing you know, it's 1030 and not 930. <laughs> it's like, oh, so I think it's a, a, a blessing and a curse. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Just, I just, I just needed to add that. I'm sorry, but it, it helps. Also, I have a, I have an entrepreneurial girlfriend, so like we're both optimizing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's nice. Oh, that's nice. Is um, how has how has that been? Uh, we're gonna switch a little bit on that because, like, entrepreneur, like she's busy. She's doing her own stuff, right? So how has the relationship between you guys? Because you're traveling and. You know, there's a saying, you meet the real self of a person when you're traveling. That's how you really get to meet them. So yeah. how has that worked having an entrepreneurial couple or being an entrepreneurial couple? Yeah, it's um, it's nice because we understand each other and we have the same values and the same missions. So like we've been to a, like 10 countries already together or 10, 10 to 12 trips in like five or six countries. Um, so we've, we've kind of figured out like right now she's downstairs taking a sales call and I'm in the room taking this podcast. And before this, I was downstairs taking a networking call and she was in here doing her mentorship call. So we just, we're very, uh, we very compromise when we travel to, to make sure that we both win. Um, but I think in general, like on a day to day life, it's nice because our schedules are perfectly in sync. We take calls around the same times every day. And in between calls, we have things to talk about because we're both in the same industry. So it's like we have always have stuff to talk about. It, it's nice. Um, and like you don't have to what's, feel bad about talking business, you know? What's not nice about it? Not nice about it is you both have priorities. You both are very selfish towards your own business. And you both think that your time is more important than, any, than the others. So it's like, I have a call, but I have a call. Well, I have this kind of call. A lot of times we'll be like comparing it. Like, well, I have a sales call. We, so we actually have an order now. It's like an unspoken rule is like sales call is the most important. Like you get priority. Actually, no, podcast is most important. Sales call is like next. So podcast is above sales call, which is why I have the room. And then below sales call is like client calls are probably below sales calls. And then the absolute last is like 
internal team calls and then networking calls. So if you're just networking with somebody, like you can take it down the phone. If it's with your yeah, team, sure. like they'll understand, like you, you, oh, you pay them, right? So you can, you can do whatever. Uh, but client calls, you want to kind of put a good face for the client. Sales calls is you absolutely, the impression matters the most because you're trying to sell something. So we have a, a hierarchy of call importance. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's like the equivalent of two people on the party who have a little battery on their phones. It's like, how much charge you got? 17. Yeah. Oh, I'm 16. Sorry, bro. Yeah. I'm taking the, I'm taking yeah. the charger. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Dude, yeah. that was awesome. That, that's cool. That's cool that you share that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Back to sleep, I wanted to one one tail and then we can we can switch to the next one. You know something that Ray Kroc used to do? The, Ray Kroc's the founder of McDonald's. Or not the founder, but the guy who just built McDonald's. He said he used to work really hard, but one thing he just never skimped on was sleep. That was his thing. But the way he taught himself to like sleep well was as he was laying in bed. I'm closing my eyes, but you can't see it. It's this kind of shitty. But as he was laying in bed, he would imagine his thoughts as things written on a whiteboard. And then he would also imagine an eraser going over them. Just so I thought eraser, thought eraser, thought eraser. So eventually he's just kind of, it's kind of a way of meditating, like kind of bringing yourself back to your breath. He also bring himself back to emptiness or that nothingness. And he said that that was one key that worked for him. For me, something similar has worked as well. I don't really do much. Like, I don't take anything. Well, I, t I do take magnesium. Really good. Shout out John Costas. But what I really do and focus on, it's I try to go to bed with no thoughts uh, or, like, nothing developed, right? Or nothing cooking, at least. So I try to write everything down, and then it's done. If there's something that's bothering me, I'll just try to do it. And I find that the, maybe the 15, 20 minutes it takes me to do it, even though I may sleep less for me, I end up sleeping better because I just don't have that weight on top of me. So that's just something I do for sleep. And I do agree with so, you, it's absolutely crucial. Something that works for me is I kind of think of my brain like RAM. So like, I feel like I have low RAM, like eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, so I try to lower the amount of things that I'm storing in my brain. So a couple of hacks that have worked for me is using my Twitter as idea dump. So if I come up with an idea for a tweet or any or anything like that, I'll just instantly tweet it now. Um, very much, I stole that from, from Alex Ramosi. I just tweet it right off the dome so that I don't have to store it for later somewhere and have to think about it. Um, if I see a tweet or some sort of content that I think is a great idea that we can maybe utilize, I'll instantly take the link and paste it where I'll, where I'll have it for later so I don't have to store it in my head and try to remember it. And if I have something I need to do, I'll instantly put it on my warm app and it's on, my, it's on a Google sheet and I know I have it for later. So I don't really want to store, I try not to store anything in my brain. It's like calendar, to-do list, where I put my content that it's inspirational and then my ideas are going on on Twitter on the timeline. So I don't really store as anything anymore. And I thought that's been very helpful for my sleep because by the time it's the end of the day, everything's already written down. Like I have nothing to think about. I love it. I love it. There's this book, Getting Things Done, of which I got nothing except for one thing, which I thought was kind of cool. Because getting things done <laughs> process is like, it's like a halftime job, dude. Like thus, it's about organizing and prioritizing and dude, I invent, I, I didn't invent that. I created a notion page, this like green for urgent, like yellow for not urgent, red for later, whatever. Right. It's like, I did it for like two hours and then I'm like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going back to pen and paper. Fuck that. But one thing that stuck to me was the OmniFocus. I don't know if you've heard of OmniFocus, but OmniFocus is basically just one place where you just drop everything. So I'm going to read you my map. It's, it's, it could be a note. Like for me, it's a note. 
So let me read you some of my OmniFocus things. Check that my assistant has tweeted this. Turn this into an email. Use this as a tweak for uh, the DMs. Make this intro into an email and hype it. So I'm just like putting it down so that I won't have to think about it. And I have like OmniFocus day. That's like Friday in which everything that's in my OmniFocus, I just try to say, does this work? Does this not? Do I do it now? And I find that Friday's kind of my cleanup day. Like I end up loading that inbox of OmniFocus stuff, but on Fridays and maybe Saturdays too, I'll just like distribute it. Deem is it not important, let's just, or just get it done. And it's actually kind of cool. It's actually one of the productivity systems that actually has worked for me. Interesting. That is really cool. I use, uh, I use the, the Sam Ovens warm app. It's like pretty much, uh, of course you use the Sam Ovens app. It's, uh, it, well, it's, it, it works so well for me because yeah. I split my business into five categories and I, I essentially theme my weeks and months and I color them. So like, for example, first half of September is we're really focused on fulfillment and then I'll be able to break that that two week period down into individual tasks for the three weeks. And then I'll be able to break that down into dailies. Uh, that's been like my productivity thing for the past year. Um, but I think Ryan taught it to me in 2018 and I kind of just put it off and I was like, this is dumb. But now I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Such an INFP you. Yeah, sure. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to, are you going to shout out school yet or can we continue? Now we'll save the paid ad. Oh, okay. We're doing it for later. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, no, uh, no free promo. Uh, there, yeah. <laughs> Send us money, Sam. Yeah. Um, another thing that I'd like to talk about, it's a kind of um, a different one. I'm watching Mad Men. I love Mad Men. Uh, and I don't want to admit it, but I will admit it that the reason why I started watching Mad Men was because the main character is the same personality type as me. He's also nice to me. So I thought, yeah, I'm watching this. Shit. Let's go. <laughs> He has a quote that I really like. So Mad Men is about the golden area of advertising. The main character is Don Draper, who's just one of the greatest advertisers, at least them. He has a quote that says, the day you sign a client is the day you start losing them. And I think, damn that, Damn this. Because they're going to be in love in the honeymoon and then it's going to fall off. So one of the ways I've found that, you know, you can lose them less, I guess, just get them to more in love with you. It's, giving people a path, not just the offer, because the offer is, we're gonna help you get to 10K a month, whatever, right? The path could be week one, we're gonna work on your offer, your positioning, whatever. Week two to four, we're gonna focus on quick wins. Week four to whatever, we're gonna focus on actually getting you to 10K a month. So having that, that path and giving people that journey and that future, it is very helpful to not get people get sidetracked. So people just join the program or I've seen this with a lot of coaches. They just join and it's like, well, welcome to the program. And the only thing that they have, it's they're shy because they don't want to ask because they're just brand new. But the question on their mind is, okay, what's next? What do I do? And if you give them a journey, you don't lose them or you don't lose as many of them. So the offer is not just the offer. It's a journey you're going to take people through to accomplish that. Cool. I've also found, I found that it's just a nice, like, whether it's a coaching program or an agency, it's just like, be, an, be annoying. Like they paid you money. They're paying you to be on their ass about everything. And like, you should always be one, one direct message ahead. So this is like a practical tip that anyone can take is like, if you're always one direct message ahead, you're always the one asking for stuff. You're always the one checking in. 
you will always have maximum retention because as soon as your client has to reach out to you for things and they're trying to see what's next, they're not going to believe that you're, that you're all in for them. So if you're always just one message ahead of them, you'll have twice as high retention. I found that's a really good practical tip. Oh, that's good. I like that. So like, if you, if you know your client checks in every Monday morning, you shoot them a message Sunday night. Sunday night, baby. <laughs> Monday at 5 a.m. Stay hard. <laughs> it's like, yo, Jeanette, I just thought of you in my morning run. So yeah. good. It's like, can you say yeah. a fucking threat? Thanks. 100%. 100%. I guess this is where, and this is like with the coaching program thing, it's like it's kind of knowing when to hire and when to when to slow things down or when to increase your price. Like, Because at a certain point with a coaching program, it's like you're going to need someone that, that can help you with those messages because if like you have 50 clients, like good luck checking in ahead of, good luck being one DM ahead of 50 people if you're by yourself, right? So it's like when to hire, when to when to scale out, when to increase price. Like that's, that's stuff you teach, but... Um, those are, those are important questions for that reason. Cause retention is important. There you go. Boom. Uh, I have a few more topics. Is there something you wanted to cover and you're like, man, I wish we covered that on the fucking podcast before I keep going. No, I think we're good. I think the email one was the one that I, that I really wanted to cover. So yeah. Reverse uh, retention. If you just got in, we talked about email like 20 minutes ago. So go back and watch. <laughs> yeah. If you skipped. Don't do it. Like, and I'm, I'm wearing my sunglasses. I'm not gonna put it out, but you can go to the beginning of the video and you can see wearing my narco sunglasses. That boom. Did you wait? Did you see the uh, podcast AI thing I sent with the chapters? Yeah, I think we should do that. That's a good move. Maybe, yeah, maybe people can answer, but like, it's nice to have chapters because people can listen to the parts that they find more valuable and stuff like that. I don't know if that fucks with retention. Maybe Quinn will let us know. <laughs> I th I think it's good. I find it very useful. Like when I I find when it I, great. Yeah. Yeah, so Telobis is your boy, but he does tend to speak a little bit, a lot, right? He does tend, sometimes he will rant, yeah. right? He'll tell stories. Yeah. So let's just get that clear. So when he did this TikTok podcast with uh, with the client Ascension guys, there was one uh, one part where I really wanted uh, to see, which was like, how, did, how was life after he quit? Because, you know, there's not a day in which I don't think about quitting. There's not a day in which I'm like, yeah, fuck this. Every day I think about it. So I thought, okay, he actually did it. How was life after that? And the community notes are just looking at where it is. That was really helpful. I ended up watching the entire thing. Well, like 75% of it, but I still yeah. was really into it. it. It's a lot like having a custom hook. It's like, instead of having the intro as your hook, it's like, you get to go watch the clip you came for. If it served you well, you're like, oh, that was good. So the whole rest of the pod must be good. So it's like, you get to pick what hooks you in and then actually watch the whole thing. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's also good that you mentioned it, so then I don't have to ask Quinn for it. We can pretend, oh, Marcos asked for this. Can you just take care of it? Thank it's like when you're, at your when you're at your friend's house and you're hungry, but you don't want to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, can you like go ask my mom if I could stay over like when you're a kid? Yeah, yeah. She'll say yes to you, but not me. <laughs> exactly. And then your mom goes, oh, let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. Yeah. No, fuck away. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Yeah, one thing is mentors. I like everybody got it. got um, everybody's got someone above them or just that knows more about them. So I was I wanted to join a certain mentorship last week last two weeks um so both of the people i was choosing 
they were both wildly successful and they were like, I was amazed that they still offered coaching, which was like awesome. And I chose one over the other, even though they were both wildly successful. And the reason why it's because when one guy spoke, like I kind of understood what he meant, but when other guys spoke, I just got it. They, they could say the same thing, but the way they spoke, one person, I just understood. And I feel like all of us have a certain tendency to learn a certain way. And this goes beyond being visual and being auditory. And by the way, I've never met anybody who's told me that they're not visual. Like everybody's visual. Like, I don't know, whatever. True. But yeah. So uh, mentors speak to you in different ways. They might be both successful, which is why I, was, I say like kind of the hierarchy over what you should choose coaches or mentors for is I think like number one is do they have the life you want, right? I wouldn't like the life of, uh, I mean, this is cope in a way, but I find that a lot of billionaires are like terribly overworked. Do I want that? Not really? But number one is do they have the life that you want? Step one. Number two is when they speak, do you understand? Not like, mm, yeah, totally facts. That's so true, Bestie. No, like, do you understand what he said? And number three is, are, how successful are they? Which kind of goes back to number one. But uh, getting a mentor that speaks your language, very important. And that's what made the difference for me. And I think if you're choosing right now, just join my program. <laughs> two, yeah, it's funny. I, I have two. I have two points on this. I'm gonna. I want to put a pin in this one, which is splitting up who you spend time with, including mentors. I want to go back to that. But a shorter point is I was listening to the My First Millions pod with uh, with Andrew Wilkinson, and he was talking about how he had they have like seven agencies in their portfolio, and uh, he says that agencies. I think he said his agency is the best business to start for cash flow. Yada yada yada. But Shan, is Sean is it Sean or Shan? Sean. Sean. Sean was saying that, yeah, that's great, but I think I'm trying to get rich the lazy way. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that's kind of a good point. Yeah. He, like, he he's told like, that to a billionaire, by the way. Yeah, Dude. he's like, that sounds, yeah, he's like, that's great. It's a great idea, but I think I'm just trying to get rich the lazy way. And I'm like, that's a great fucking point. I think I might be trying to get rich the lazy way and not the hard way. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fair because you, you do get – a lot of shiny objects under me see all these other businesses that are crushing but you know you know like you said it's like a lot of people are really overworked so i think after your first success you kind of have that wiggle room and you've kind of earned the right to decide where you want to spend your time and how to get how you want to get rich and build your wealth um so it's interesting that you said that a lot of billionaires overwork because he was like yeah i think i just want to get rich the lazy way and i'm like that's a great quote that i'm going to keep in the back of my mind whenever i make a decision on future business <laughs> um, you say you had two stories yeah, yeah. So the other one is, uh, I think it was, I think it was Ty or somebody said uh, the percentage at which you spend your time with people, and it's like kind of like thirds. And I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm interested how you maybe if you split your time a certain way because you have a client-based business with a lot of uh, beginners. But um, it's like one third should be spent with people below you, one that you are kind of mentoring and teaching, and then one third is people that are your peers people that are at your level that you can kind of talk with, they understand you, et cetera. And then one third with people who are, you know, way above you 10 X that are more like mentors to you. Do you have like a, a particular split on that? Or do you think like, do you ever think about who am I really spending my time with? Am I spending too much time with beginners or not enough time with people that are at my level, et cetera? Not really. And this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm big believer on, uh, you already know what you need to do. Like when you're just 
fucking around, you already know what I need. I, I already know I need to just fill out the sales guy's calendar, get more offers out, and just grow the thing. Like, I know, right? And a lot of the time, as a lot of the growths or like a lot of the failures I've had haven't come from me not doing anything, but from doing too much. And I feel like I had to get to a point at which, at least to the level I want to get, which is like for me, I've been thinking about this a lot, but it's like if I had two, three million cash in the bank, I would kind of fuck off for a while. I'd, do, I'd pull off a Ty Lopez one. I'd love that. Like, that'd be cool. Anyway. You think so? I'm thinking, I think so. I think I so. Thought, I don't know, because I, I thought I like, when I had nothing, right? I thought when I had 50K in the bank, I was like, ah, you know, when you're at 50K, your stress is going to be gone, and you could probably take it easy a little. And then you get to 100K, and you're like, huh. <laughs> I'm still stressed. <laughs> so I'm like, what is really the core of the stress here? Is it, is it our expectations or is it our goals? You know, maybe I'll say the same thing when I'm there. Right. But yeah, to me, it's, I split my time between alone to spend most of my time alone, maybe like 80%, right? 10% on business, but I actively try to put 10% of time in which people that I do not need to think with. So I will bring out my friends. Uh, maybe this is me projecting, but all of my true friends have been before I started this business thing. So I bring them over here. I'm about a table. You you call it a board, a board meeting. I call it a table. So we're at the table just playing cars, bro. Playing Uno all night. And it, it was great for me because that freed up the space that I needed to give myself to give advice to myself. Having friends gave me the space I needed to give myself, to give advice to myself. Um, so, yeah. And a little bit of, like, talking to people ahead of me. But I find that when you talk to people ahead of me, their advice is very not tactical. It's actually mm -hmm. very fundamental, very philosophical. So it's just one nugget of wisdom that I need to cook and apply to myself. I like that. I think uh, this is a great opportunity for me to iterate my concept because I think there's actually, for me... I think of my hypothesis is that it should be fourths. And I think that last fourth you just mentioned is spending time with people who are just not in business and that you could just get your mind off of things. I think that's the missing piece. Like for me, I feel like my time is way too skewed. It's way too much time with either people above or people below and not enough time with people who I don't need to talk about business with and people at my level that can relate to my problems. So if you spend too much time with people below, you, you typically kind of get more of an ego if you spend too much time with people above, which I do a lot, is you get all these philosophical and you just think you're doing everything wrong. You're like, I'm doing everything wrong. I, like, look at all these philosophical advice that I need to apply. I need to change something. But if you spend more time with people that are with in, doing the same thing of you at your level, you're kind of like, yeah, my problems, everyone has my problems. And they're actually, maybe I'm just where I need to be. And they're not actually that, they're not problems, but they're more tribulations that I just have to get through because I'm at this level. And then spending time with people, you can get your mind off things, which... I don't have a lot of that in Bali. It's like, you're just always on and the stress kind of piles up. So I think an even 25% for each could be the answer for me. Well, what's above? That's a good one. I was talking to Ryan the other day. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get a girl girlfriend until I make this much money. And Ryan made fun of me. He said, Jake, you wanna get to this much money? And there, he was in Spain. And then there's this Spanish dude with like four wives living in the beach being happy. And you want to get, make that much money. And I said, that guy's wealthier, right? It's like, yeah, that guy's wealthier. So what's above? 
really, why don't you just hang out with everybody who's above? I consider those guys above me, maybe not in financial terms, but they just live, they just get it. They're just like, they know how to take their mind off. So maybe it's all above. The thing you need to change is not the above or below, but in which areas are they better at than you? Mm, that's good. I like that. We made a point in Bali to go to a gym that's just all fitness influencers. And I genuinely believe my fitness is better than it's ever been because I'm just surrounded with people who are like bodybuilders and Instagram models. And just like, you always get that extra set in, but you really just, you kind of absorb the greatness by being in the vicinity of them. And I feel like it's the same. And you could do that in any aspect of your life, right? If you only hang out with a group, like if that table at Uno, right, it was eight people with wives and kids, you might absorb like a better family life out of that. And like you, you get more of that. If you hang out with a table of eight, billionaires you're probably going to absorb some of that net worth and, and elevate your net worth so like you said it's just different aspects of life yeah that's called mimetic desire is when you want things that others want so all of your friends want to get 10k a month businesses well, there you go but then one guy gets that 250 million dollars from sequoia and you're like 10k a month doesn't sound like anything right now now suddenly it doesn't make me happy i want 250 million dollars you know what i mean it's you want what people around you want this just reminds me of like, and we'll finish if I can finish with this, but there's just like a subset of business of people who just build ideas, raise money. It's not even profitable by the time they exit. They just, they just build an unprofitable business that has potential to future profit. They'll raise like 50 mil and they'll go sell it for like a couple hundred mil. And then they'll just like be millionaires, but they never created a profitable business. Venture capital's fucked. Bro, don't laugh at them. They're in the arena. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying things. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the arena. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the man, not you. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Where's my startup guys in the comments that could just tell me about what's going on over there? What the, you ever see that that meme with They're like creating what's value, going on bro. over there? Yeah, <laughs> creating artificial value. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean. It's kind of made up. Money's made up too. This, but. this is cope that we're seeing someone exit for like 50 mil, what they've never made a profit in their life. And we're like bootstrapping yeah. businesses. <laughs> Where is, is their Slack wins channel screenshot? Show me that shit. He has zero. How many followers do you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think this is a good place okay. to end it. Um, yeah. All right, guys. This was the Lights and Cash podcast. And we say adios. Cheers.